0: I want to begin, before we, we study God's Word, I want to begin by just giving just a, just a word of encouragement, uh, as I have, I've been deeply encouraged by what, what God has been doing in our church. Um, December 30th was a very lowly attended Sunday, and that's not a big deal because it's December 30th and everyone's out of town. But in that sermon that I, that I spoke, um, I, I made a call for prayer and, and trying to prioritize prayer in the life of our church, and I confessed much to my prayerlessness and dependence on God day to day. And so I've made it um, very, very much a priority. I'm leading out of that um, conviction of that I've been prayerless and being prayer, prayerful. And um, one of the things that, that, that as I've become prayerful, I mean, is that I've started to have eyes to see where God is at work um, in your life and in the life of this church. And I've just been so deeply encouraged. I just want to share just a few things. The first thing has to do with your giving Um, in January of this past year um, within the congregation without getting one big check from somebody we raised our budget. And this is a really huge thing because it means that we can sustain ourselves as a group of people and continue doing the work of ministry without relying on money from outside. That's a really healthy step in the life of a church that is seeking to put its roots deep down into the ground. And so praise God and thank you for the way that you've given generously and given graciously to the work of this church. It's a huge blessing. The second thing that I've seen Um, And this is just the way that God works um, is this. I I have prayed a lot for help, like assistant ministerial help to help with all the things that need to get done. There's numerous details and there's numerous things going on. But as I've um, sought to... Uh, not lead everything myself and given to us, I've seen incredible things happen. I've seen Alicia Smith take over the hospitality team. I've seen Bailey and John Mark take the central community group. I've seen David and Angela Perkinson take over the group in West Little Rock. I've seen John and Caitlin Mooney take over the group in North Little Rock. I see other people saying, I'll host a group. And you have no idea how much of a blessing to give up leadership, which is my responsibility, is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. To see these things Go on. I, 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 I literally can mention my wife and the way that she's, she changed our website. I don't know if you saw this, but there is a website change and we tried to make our website more accessible and helpful to people as we learned through. We had a great website, but Kimberly made it that much better. The way that you guys have served, the way that you have poured into this church has been incredible. And I have eyes to see how you guys are doing it. And I'm so thankful to see how God is working in and through you. For the sake of this church. But here's another really exciting thing. I prayed for help, not only from you guys, and you guys have stepped up, but I prayed on for help outside. I've had five conversations in the last month with guys who want to become ministers. And they, they see what we're doing. They see the things that are being done in this church, and they say, I want to come and learn with you. I want to be a pastor, and I want you to teach me how to be a pastor. I'm like, what are you talking about? I've had five conversations. What is happening here? And one of the things, and one of, these, one of, these, uh, one of the conversations w- with a guy is really starting to amp up. And I, I, as I thought, okay, hey, God, what are you doing? Um, I, I said, we need to create a Timothy program. So if you don't know what Timothy is, Paul is like the apostle of the Christian church. And he raised up leaders. And one of the leaders that he raised up was this guy named Timothy. And he wrote two letters to Timothy, and it's in your Bible right now, First and Second Timothy. And Timothy was a younger guy who's like, teach me how to be a pastor. This is crazy. How do I do this? And Paul helps him walk through it. And I've got five of these guys who'd be like, yeah, I kind of want to be a Timothy. And it's amazing to me. It's just how God is working in and through us and bringing guys to me and to us from the back door. I mean, Gage Jordan is one of them. The one that preaches here. He's like, how can... Can you pay me? Because I kinda wanna work with you guys. So <laughs> I was like, well we can pay you to preach. I just we're gonna have to get a little more giving to get you on staff here full time. But but I mean there there's an example. So Gage is preaching for me once a month so that I can lead and do things that are really important and it's beautiful. And things like the Timothy program of like Creating opportunities, and uh, honestly there 's going to be discussions with several of you as like how do, we, how do we raise up ministers? How can I get them in touch with you, the businesswoman, the businessman, to help them think through what it 's like to do life not in ministry but life in the world and life, how can we help them and raise them up to be ministers, to train them up, to send them out, to start new churches, to do great work around the country and around the globe? I mean there's some really neat things, and so Deeply, deeply encouraged. But there is certainly one word of pastoral um, pleading with you that I want to make. And this is certainly a goal for 2019. That as our church matures and as we grow and as we are being supported from within, we also need to grow in our organization. And one of the ways in which we grow in our organization is by people owning um, the life of the church. And we call this membership in our church. And I can talk to you about all sorts of um, reasons from Scripture why membership is is vital and important to a church. But um, currently, we're we I, I'm teaching taught the class this morning, two hundred one. It's our it's our membership class. It's the way that you learn about our church and our faith and what it means to be a part. And I want to if you haven't take that class, I want to encourage you the next time we do it to sign up, because it is the people of this church that are going to plant this church. It's not me, and it's the people of this church that are going to call the pastor. You, Just because I'm the planter doesn't mean I'm the pastor. It's the members. You're the ones that are going to have to call me to be the pastor of this church. And so that's why it's vitally important. So you've bought in. Let's keep buying in. Thank you. Praise be to God for the work that he's doing in our life. It's really fun. It's been a really fun joy. We're going to continue praying. And I ask you to continue serving. I ask you to continue giving. I ask you to continue to follow God in this beautiful endeavor that we have been called to. With that being said, I want to turn our attention to God's Word in the book of Ephesians. We are um, teaching through the book of Ephesians. Last week we, just, we looked at Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 9. And this week our primary focus is going to be on Ephesians 2.10. But to help you, and, and tonight, it's just such a short little verse. One verse, four phrases. But to give you some context for where this verse comes from. I also included verses 8 and 9, which is a summary, very much summary of what verses four, five, six, and 7 were about, what Paul is saying. So here is God's word from Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. Paul says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right, I want to begin with a hypothetical scenario. Knowing that none of you have ever been in this situation, and here's a situation. You're on your way to work, and you stop at your local coffee shop, as you always do. And you love the people that work in this coffee shop. They love you. They even know your order, because you're in there all the time. It's your coffee shop, your neighborhood coffee shop. You love it. So you get your coffee and you get your bagel. And as you hand them the $20 bill, they get the change and they hand you, I mean, bagels now are like, the bagel, I spent $5.77 on a bagel and a coffee today. Are you kidding me? OK. So you give them your $20 bill and you get your $14.23 you know, in change. And being a generous person, as you all are, you said, you know what, I love my coffee shop. I'm going to tip them $10 today. And so you take that $10 bill. And you take it out of your pocket, and just as you're taking it out of your pocket, the barista turns their back. And now, you're in the process of putting the $10 bill in the jar, and they didn't see it. I just gave them 10 bucks, and they're not even going to see that I was generous, that I'm one of the best employees. And the question becomes, what do you do in that situation? Do you reach your hand into the jar, take it out, and when they see it, oh, hey, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Is this what you do? This is uh, what one philosopher in the 1990s, George Costanza, what I call George Costanzaing. If you know anything about Seinfeld, this is the very, very exact scenario that George Seinfeld found himself in. And he began to be the moral ethicist that he is, discerning, should I have reached into the jar or should I not have? Now, obviously, it's a hypothetical scenario that none of you have ever been in yourself. Wanting to be seen for the good works that you have done, you would never do that. But here's the interesting thing about Costanzaing, as I call it. We do it all the time. In Little Rock alone, and I know this temptation personally, you go to a fundraiser, whether it be for the call, for a MERS, our house, and there's going to be photographers on hand taking your picture. And they're going to take that photograph and they're going to put it right smack dab in this magazine called Soiree. I was in it this last edition. (laughs) You saw it, John? In fact, I was sitting at lunch or dinner one time and a woman came up and said, can I have your autograph? Because I went to a function to raise money for this ministry and this good work that I was doing and giving to this ministry was actually an excuse for me to boast in myself. And we take this good work that we do and we abuse it for the sake of our own name and for the sake of our own glory. Taking the, the spotlight off of maybe someone's good work or someone's important need and putting it on ourselves. Do you know this temptation? The abuse of good works. I mean, it is riddled even in the church itself. I mean, people go to Africa And they do some really hard things in Africa, but one of the things that they love to do is they love to take pictures with the underprivileged and put it on their social media page. Why? So that everyone can look at you and say, oh, you are so cool. You are so gracious. You are, oh, godly. Look at how godly this person is. And the very motivation for going and the very motivation for doing our good works is all actually about ourselves more than it is about meeting the needs of those around us. It's an abuse of good works. Jesus was very, very critical of the abuse of good works. The people that he was most critical of in in his entire ministry was not the the, the, the sexual illicit. It was not the tax collectors who were seen as the most degrading of human beings and Jews of the time. It was actually the religious leaders who loved to do good works so that they would be seen by others. He was hyper critical of those people. Speaking very personally, one of the things that God revealed to me when I was 19 years old was that reality in my life. How I needed His grace in light of my sin of self-service, even in the midst of following His rule and His ways. His grace was so amazing to me in light of my own self-service, even in the midst of good works. I had abused good works time and time again. And in light of that grace, I said, Thanks be to God. It was as if I read Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved by faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Of course, this is what Jesus was trying to teach the Pharisees, and this is what Jesus taught me. But then a second reality came into my life when I got that salvation is by grace through faith. Okay, I don't want to abuse works. I see how nasty that is and how how self-serving sometimes good work can be. I don't even want to do good works. I don't even want to be tempted to do good works so that I might be seen by others. And so I get stuck between abusing good works and abandoning good works. I don't want to do them because I don't want to be tempted by by the glory and the self-glory it is. And so I find myself in this tension about what do we do with good works? How do we understand what it is we are called to do? Because all throughout the Bible, we do see good works. Care for the orphan and the child. Care for the widow. I mean, these are important things. But what do we do? Because I feel caught. I feel like I'm in a prison, not knowing what it is to do with good works. What indeed do we do with good works? Well, it consists of one sentence and four clauses, Ephesians 2.10 is the key that sets us free from this prison. We so often find ourselves in regards to good works. Simply put, in this short verse, Paul describes the nature of good works. Or, let me say it differently. The Christian nature of good works. The way that Christians understand good works. And when we grasp this nature, the reality is we can be set free from the prison we so often find ourselves in and it can actually be motivated to do them. But in order to grasp this nature, we have to see the two important characteristics that Paul describes in these four clauses. And there's just two that I want to observe this morning. And I know i can get into hallelujah from you. Two points. And we might get through this quickly, right? The first characteristic that Paul drives about the nature of good works that I want you to see is the foundation of good works. So first, the foundation... Of good works. If we're going to grasp the nature of good works, we have to see where good works derive from, where they come from, its foundation. And Paul says this in verse 10. You see it. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Before we can perform good works, we have to recognize that we are first the good work of God. We are His creation in Christ. And we must indeed put this verse in the context of what Paul has been reasoning and discussing in the entire chapter of 2, verse 2, or chapter two of Ephesians. And the way he begins Ephesians 2 is this You were dead in your trespasses and sins that you once walked, following the prince of the power of the air. The desires of your flesh which made you subject to the wrath of God this is where you were this is what you are but God Paul says in verse 4 being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us made us alive in Christ while we were dead you see this there's a transformation that Paul is saying in verse 4 there is a transformation you are the very work of God you're created in Christ Jesus And he he unpacks this. By grace you have been saved. Not because of anything you've done. But by grace. Through faith. And it is the gift of God. We are God's work first. Before we do good works, we are God's work first. Perhaps, let me just say this. You've never even considered becoming a Christian. But let me say this very clearly. If you're not a Christian, I'm glad you're here. But here's the temptation you might experience as you consider, maybe I, I want to become a Christian. The temptation for all of us is this, or for, for, I experience it myself, but the temptation you will have is this. I've got to be good. I've got to be about good works because Christianity is about good works. But let me just say this, just tell you, Christianity is not about good works. Christianity is about looking to Christ, our Savior, for the good works that he has done. for the good work that he accomplished on the cross he was he was killed for us sinners who have not done what God's law required and he was sacrificed for us as a substitute so that we might indeed experience his righteousness that he had earned and his righteousness which he has given to us this is what it means to be a Christian it means to believe not to work so don't fall into that temptation because if If you are a Christian, here's the reality for all of us. We have a new identity. We are new. We are God's work. We are God's new creation. That's what he says in verse 10. And we once were dead following the passions of our flesh. We once were dead trying to do good works so that we might be seen. But now Christ has made us alive. And he's made us alive. He's given us a new identity. And that new identity is one for works. But we must not forget that you are first God's work I want to take you back to the coffee shop you're tempted to reach into that that jar and grab that ten dollar bill why would you be tempted to grab the ten dollar bill so that you might be seen is it not because your identity is not rooted in something significant that there's a part of you that says I want to be seen as a generous person I need to be seen as a generous person so that I might have some worth and significance. If you reach in and grab that $10 bill, this is what you're, motiv- you're being motivated by. But as Christians, we can put the $10 bill in the jar, walk out without having anyone see it because we have all that we have and need in Christ. Everything is provided for us. You want a relationship with the Holy God? never letting go and it being this beautiful intimate relationship We well, already have it in Christ you don't need anything more you don't need to reach in the jar and grab the ten dollar bill now I want to speak to those of you who do profess faith how indeed do we fight this temptation to be seen and observed by people which is inevitable to come and it's it's not a bad thing for people to say you are doing good works. But how are we to see or think about this? And I, I have one, one kind of main thing that I want you to... The way that we deal with the, what people praising us for our good works is that we pray. And here's what we pray. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. The temptation we have when people praise us for the good works we do is to say, yeah, I am pretty good. <laughs> but what is that? It's the same as reaching our hand in the jar and pulling out that $10 bill so that we can put it back when they see it. We say, no, 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 Lord. All that I have is from you. My identity is deeply rooted in you and I have all that I need and want. Lead me not into the temptation Of finding my worth and my identity in the way that people see me. Lead me into the truth that you see me as beautiful and good already. And allow me to rest in that. And you pray. I shared this story with the people that were in 201 this morning, but I told you last week that I was teaching at this ministry called Downline on on Wednesday. And anytime I go into a situation where I'm going to teach God's word with a group of people that I don't know, I, I really feel the temptation for them to say, that guy's awesome. He is amazing. And so I had to pray, Lord, lead me not into the t- temptation to be seen by them as this amazing person. I really had to fight it. And so I taught and I did I did the best that I could. And I, could fe- I, I literally could feel that tension as I'm walking down from the podium that I had just got done. And it's like, I mean, like, if someone says something, that's great, it's fine. And so I left and there really wasn't much interaction other than just, you know, just a general thank you, which is not significant. But then the next day I went back for a meeting, just uh, irrelated to my my discussion. And I felt that temptation once again. What if people see me and say, hey, that was awesome what you did yesterday. And I remember I I, I remember exactly where I was. I was turning left on a fair park from Mark on Markham Street. And I just said, Lord, lead me not into that temptation and you know what God did not one person mentioned to me (laughs) not one person mentioned to me about my talk but it was so good you know why because my identity is not rooted in whether I do a good job or not my identity is rooted in being God's work and so it is with you before we can do good works we need to be set free from this prison of having our identity rooted in what we do or what we don't do Our identity is rooted in being God's work. And we must press that deep into our life. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Before you get to the good works, you get to the good work of God in you. So first, if we're going to understand the nature of good works and be set free to do them and motivated to do them, we must see its foundation. But secondly... We've got to see the function of good, good works. We've got to see the foundation of good works, and we've got to see the function of good works. Look at what Paul says, and I'll give it to you in context because it doesn't take long. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And here's the function. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Good works have been planned out for you, Paul says, by God himself, And you, being a new creation, have the opportunity to just do them. They're set up. Just do them. Just walk in them. The reality of all of us in this room is God has placed us in different scenarios, in different situations. And it's really fun for me as a pastor to hear the story of your life and where God has taken you and the trials God's put you in and the the difficulties and the joys and all this stuff. But this is very significant. You must see this is God's hand at work in your life. And what He's doing, He's preparing you to walk in the good works which He has called you in. If you have... Grown up in poverty, that is is a very difficult situation. But God has prepared that beforehand that you might walk in the good works that could come. If God has put you in difficult circumstances in your life, as bad as they might be, God has put you there that you, experience His grace, might go back to those difficult places and walk in good works in there. At the end of the day, good works is the benefit of others. It's what Jesus called in John 15, the good fruit that other people get to enjoy. And fruit from our lives is not fruit that we get to enjoy. It's fruit that other people get to enjoy for the glory of God. And so our good works, where God has taken us and the stories of our lives is very important to the current reality of our life. And we must see where God has taken us, the different paths He's taken us, and his, how He is preparing us right now to walk in good works. I, I, I'm, forgive me if, if you're embarrassed by this, but I'm going to just name some of the ways that I see this going in the life of our church. Alicia Smith, I don't know if you've... Yes, you have seen her, but her attention to detail... And her wonderful hospitality is rooted in the way she's a lawyer. And she's so gracious. And her story and her life lends herself to being so hospitable and thinking about all the little details that needs to go on on Sunday morning. God had prepared this beforehand so that she would indeed be good work for this church right here, right now. David Perkinson. I heard this story last night as Jillian was sitting in our living room. She had two sisters who were failing calculus at, at Episcopal. And if you don't know, David is the head of the school at Episcopal. His administrative duties are overwhelming. I mean, all the things that he has to do. But David also has his Ph.D. in math from Penn State. And these two struggling girls going through the math, David came alongside them and tutored them. He's the head of the school. And yet the path that God has put him on, he is using his good works so that these girls might pass. And I don't know if they passed, but I hope they did. (laughs) Yeah, we don't know. Okay. (laughs) I think of Christina and she has a disability and I can't imagine all that she has gone through in her life as she has wrestled with the disability that she struggles with. And yet, do you know what she does? She's a doctor. There's one doctor at Children's Hospital that can relate very well to the kids who are coming into that hospital beaten and broken, and that's Christina. If I'm a patient, I want Christina as my doctor. Because she just doesn't understand it, like in, in a, like the medical sense, which she does. She understands it. And the trials and the difficulties of what it is to be beaten and broken physically. I think of Chad Smith, he too is many ways disabled physically and he was picked on time and time again growing up and that stinks but he was able to get up in, in, in his high school and give one of the best speeches Central Arkansas Christian school might ever see and it wowed the people you know what he does for a living now he helps students prepare speeches he walks in the good works that God has prepared him beforehand I see it in all of your lives. But this is exactly the function of good works. How is, what's the path God has brought you down? And how is it He's calling you to walk in them? Did you grow up in poverty, struggling to make ends meet, but God by His grace has now blessed you with far more than you ever deserved or needed? I would say that God perhaps is calling you to come alongside those in poverty, And assist them in the difficult places that they find themselves in. Are you wealthy? Do you have more money and resources than you've ever needed or wanted? God is calling you to be generous with the resources as he has been generous to you. Do you love to have people in your homes? Are you extroverted? And you just are just... I just love people. I want people in my kitchen. Have people to your house. Invite your neighbors over. I'm not even saying, like, have great... Just... Can you just... Eat a cake with somebody. Amazing things take place. Incredible relationships. I mean, I mean, seriously, if you love people, you need to have people in your homes. There are way too many people that spend nights all alone. And all they long for is someone to talk about the weather, the sports teams, their family, their past. And by opening and inviting people in their home, you're walking in a good work, the very good work God has prepared beforehand. Have people in your home. Are you a good parent? Not a perfect parent. No one here is perfect. I'm not saying that. But growing up, you had great examples of parents and you are emulating the very thing that your parents did for you. Loving you well. Providing for you. Teaching you. Well then perhaps God might be calling you to adopt. to to, To open your home as a respite home for children who don't have that opportunity. The function of good works is to take what God is working in our life or what he has worked in our lives and to walk in them. God has prepared you for the now so that you might walk in the good works. How can we do this? You must discern. What is your story? What is it you're good at? I mean, open yourself up to your spouse, a friend. What is it I'm good at? Tell someone your story. Listen to them you know, or, or like tell them your story and, and see which ways they might direct you. Talk to me. I mean, it's a scary thing. But God is working in each of our lives and he's creating us four good works that we'd walk in them. And that is the very function. Works are not for, 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 for some, you know, boost in our, our, our ego. Works are the very thing God has prepared for us to walk in them. It's a great privilege to walk in those good works. This is the function of good works. Walking. So when we grasp the nature of good works, that the function of good works is something that has been prepared for us by God to walk in them, then we do them freely. We're just, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, put your $10 in the jar and you walk out the door. That's what I want for all of you. I really want you to grasp the nature of good works. I really, I want you to be able to put a $10 bill in the jar and walk out without anyone noticing. The end of the day, that's it. Why? Because the nature of good works is that its foundation is in our identity in Christ. Who we are is already established and we get to walk in them. We put a $10 bill in, we don't have to get approval and that is my hope. Let me pray. Our gracious God, make us about the good of our neighbor and the glory of your name. Teach us the ways that you have prepared us beforehand, the work uh, you're now calling us to. It's not, a, it's not a necessary thing in the sense that we, we do it, we are in trouble. No, it is simply a privilege to be able to walk in the very things you prepared beforehand. Whether it be difficulties, joys, whatever it might be. May we walk in the very work that you've prepared beforehand so that our neighbors might experience their needs being met and might boast in the glorious gospel. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.